Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Amen. Oh, glory. So Hebrews 11. Let's talk today on what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? I I was thinking about this and meditating, seeking the Lord. And uh, the Lord asked me that question. What are you hoping for? Hope, by its basic definition, is expectation. It's a picture. And Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, uh, one translation says, now faith is giving substance to things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, this is important because hope, as we said, means, among other things, to expect. So hope is a picture. Hope is a something that you're expecting, something that you you have a picture of. And notice that without hope, there's nothing to add faith to i got to have a picture to add faith to. When, when, when God brought the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, He continually drew a word picture for them of where they were going. A land that flows with milk and honey. It's not a land like you came from where you got to water it with your foot, but it's a land that drinks in the water of heaven. It's a land of hills and valleys. Why was that important? Because Egypt was not a land of hills and valleys. The water did not run. It did not flow. The only flowing source they had was the Nile. And they had to figure out a way to get the water from the river to the crops. He said, it's not going to be that way in the promised land. The water's going to be there. It's going to flow. He said, "It's it's a good land. He was always drawing a picture, an expectation. And what does Scripture say in Hebrews 3? It says the reason they didn't enter in was they were not united by faith to what they were expecting. Right? And so the enemy attacks your faith, but he first starts by attacking your expectation. He tries to rob your hope because he knows if he robs your hope, He robs your faith of having any ability of bringing that to pass. God can only bring to pass in your life what you're expecting. Because because there has to be this attitude of expectation. Amen. So you, you begin to expect and then you add your faith to it. Hallelujah. Faith as we know, is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it simply means the conviction of the truth of anything. Or being convinced that something's true. So when you begin to see the picture, you begin to see what God's saying, there comes this attitude of faith where I am absolutely convinced that that's true. Right? Amen. Now, So for hope to be a reality, 
for what I'm expecting to materialize, I have to be convinced that what God said was true. Well, let's look at a couple of verses. Uh, John 17. Let's start with Jesus. It's a good place to start. And, and I'm not going to get too preachy on these verses. I just want you to see something because, uh, and I'm not really concerned about getting through my outline. I, I, I want to establish this concept of hope. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus, of course, was praying for the disciples and us. And he said, sanctify them through your truth. And then he makes the statement, your word is truth. So Jesus, out of his own mouth, declares to us that the word of God is truth. Well, remember that for hope to be a reality, you have to be convinced, convinced that what God said was true. That what God said was true. Well, Jesus gives us the ammunition here when he says your word is truth. Your word is truth. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119. And uh, verse 128, the psalmist says, Therefore, I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. So the psalmist here, he says, here's what I've decided and what I've come to the conclusion of. All your precepts concerning everything is right. That's right. And then in uh, verse 142, he says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is the truth. Your law is the truth. In verse 151, he says, you are near, Lord, and all your commandments are truth. All your commandments are truth. So in, in, in that one instance, we have four Evidences that the word's truth. Truth. One man defined truth as this, the highest form of reality that exists. And that's true. Truth. Now, back in Hebrews 11, remember that hope is an expectation. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of that expectation. We read verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and you can put the word there yet. I haven't seen them yet. In verse 7, it says, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen, notice, as yet, as yet. So faith is the substance of things not seen yet. Now, this is important because when God starts showing you a picture, I may not see everything that will make that picture possible yet. Don't, don't, don't jump ship before the yet shows up because the yet is coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. So you may not have seen them yet, but here's the thing. What you are believing for, you haven't seen it yet, but it already exists. One of the greatest things that you can do to bolster your faith is to understand this, that everything that God promised you, He does not have to create or produce, it's already there. It already exists. 
if, if you look at verse 3 of Hebrews 11, it says that through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. It doesn't say those things did not exist. It says that, there, that what we see was created from things that didn't appear. They weren't seen. Well, where were they? They were in the realm of faith. Everything that you need, desire, everything that, that, that makes up the components of the picture God is showing you already exists. It exists in the realm of faith and it has to be accessed that way. God never tells you anything or gives you an expectation of anything that He does not already have the components available and ready to cause it to come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. But it requires faith to reach into that realm. Why? Because faith is the hand. Faith is the organ. Faith is that spiritual property that reaches into that realm and produces what God said was mine. Amen. Do you see this? It already exists. What does that do? That builds expectation. It's already there. Amen. So when we say in Philippians 4.19... But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. Well, we know that the riches in glory, we know it's not cash money. It's not hard cash. It's those riches that are in the glory that He provides for us from. Well, how, how do I get there? How do I reach that? How do, how do I go in and, and pull that out of that realm of the Spirit? I've got to first of all expect God to supply all my need. I've got to get a picture of my need fully supplied, completely filled, rich, rich, rich. i got to see myself in that vein. Now, I've known ministers, and, and I've heard them say this. Well, you know, I don't like, uh, you know, you saying that because it, it makes us sound like those positive thinkers. Listen, that don't bother me because the positive thinkers got it from us. We're not stealing from them. They're stealing from us. And they're finding out that what we believe is right. Amen. If I don't first see it, if if I ask you a question about your life and ask you, what do you see in your life? Whatever you tell me you see is what you're expecting, and I can determine where you're going to end up. Right? I used to have this idea. You know, I, I grew up knowing God was a healer. I knew, I grew up seeing people healed, get out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open, victory, right? I grew up with that in my mindset. But I also grew up with this mindset that you would struggle financially. Because we came out of a denomination that prayed about their preachers. No, you know, Lord, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. That's a little humor, very little, but you, you understand. So that was the mindset that we'll struggle, that, you know, we'll, we'll have some here, but then we might go through six months of nothing. So the image became a struggle image. But when I begin to see scriptures like, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. When, when I begin to see scriptures like that, that where, where, where it says, uh, there is no lack to them that love the Lord. 
I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. When I started seeing scriptures like that, I began to understand, now wait a minute, I got to change the image that I'm cultivating. I got to change my expectation. I got to quit expecting to struggle for six months and then God somehow come along and bring me out. I've got to start seeing myself completely supplied. Are you with me? Because there was nothing to add faith to until that point. And so that builds expectation. When you begin to see yourself as fully supplied and you begin to see yourself walking in strength and you begin to see yourself walking in victory, now you've got something to add your faith to. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so the way we get what we cannot see into the realm where we can see it is by faith in God's promise. Look in Luke 1. This is an appropriate scripture for the season we're in. Luke chapter 1. Oh, glory. And you know, the the thing about this is, is that these things don't just happen. I learned that years ago. I heard a man say something one time. He said, positive thinking, positive talking. He said, that'll only go so far. He said, because here's the thing, is along with your positive thinking, your positive confession, your positive whatever you want to call it, you're also preparing, you're planning, you're setting goals, you're doing what you need to be doing to see that thing come to pass. Amen. And And that's just on the natural side of it. When you're praying and you're hearing from God and you're hearing from God about the image that He wants you to cultivate and then God's telling you the steps you need to take and the things that you need to do. You are, you are, you are not only a step up above the other person, you're well on your way to what God wants you to have. Amen. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, and Mary, you'll remember, had asked in verse 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost will come on you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and that holy thing which is born of you will be called the Son of God. This is not where Jesus was created. Jesus was in the spirit world. Mary's faith in what she heard caused him to be manifest in the natural world. He said, this is how it's going to happen. She said, okay, I believe it. Be it unto me according to your word. But Jesus already existed in the spirit realm. What caused him to be able to be manifest in the natural realm? Mary's belief in what God said. Think about that. So today, the manifestation of whatever you're believing God for is just on the other side of me believing what God said about it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis 17. Am I helping you this morning? Genesis 17. This is why you can never stop hoping. Because remember, real Bible hope is not like worldly hope. The world says, well, I hope so. What they mean is I don't really think so, but maybe. Real Bible hope is based on a picture. I see it. Right? So, 
if we say, let's get our hopes up. You understand my voice? You need to hope again. Get a picture out there about what God wants to do or where God wants to take you or what God wants to produce. Because notice here in Genesis 17, verse 3, God comes to Abram and He says, verse 3, Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you'll be a father of many nations. Neither will your name be any more Abram, but you shall be Abraham. For the fa- a father of many nations have I made you, and I will make you exceeding fruitful. And, notice, I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. So this is the beginning of God changing the picture of what Abraham was expecting. Charles Capps wrote a book years ago called Words Transmit Images. Words transmit images. And it's so powerful because at this point, Abram did not see himself that way. Now that seems elementary to our faith walk. But this is the father of our faith. And the way he did it is the schematic, the blueprint, the model for how we do it. And notice the first thing God did was He said, Your name will not be anymore Abram, but Abraham. Well, why? Words transmit images. Abram meant high, uh, uh, high prince. Abraham means the father of a multitude. Well, you can be a high prince and have no children, but you can't be a father of a multitude and not have some children. Right? You cannot see yourself for very long with all of your need being supplied and still have need. And you might be starting and you have a lot of need. But you begin to cultivate the image that God supplies all my need. How how can God ask you to step out in a step of faith and believe for something that in the natural you don't have the resources for if you have not first cultivated the picture of God supplying all your need. And so once you cultivate that picture, then whatever the need is, your mindset is already God will supply it. So you're not waiting to see if He supplies. And I see a lot of people, they shout on the back end, If the need gets supplied, they shout about God being a supplier, but they weren't so busy shouting on the front end. Your level of praise and rejoicing on the front end determines what God's able to do on the back end. And when I'm willing to worship and praise God in faith on the front, then I will see the results of God on the back. So you cultivate that image. So God's coming to Abram and He's saying, i got to change your name because I need you to start cultivating an image. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you feel weak, what does Joel 3.10 tell you to do? Say, I'm strong. Why? Because words transmit images. Amen. I hear people all the time, not from, not from you, 
present company excluded. But I, I hear people all the time, they'll say, oh, I'm just disorganized. I don't have an organized bone in my body. I'm not a very good planner. And then they wonder why everything is just always up in the air and nothing's going right because they have declared and built a picture of themselves of unorganized, unable to keep things together. Tell you what, just the least little bit of thing and I fall apart and I don't know and I just pressure, I just don't deal well with it. Well, why not? Because you have an image, they have an image of when pressure comes, they fall apart. But when you have an image of no weapon formed against me will prosper. When you have an image of I will lay me down and I will sleep and the Lord will awake me. Amen. Though uh, 10,000 may encamp against me, I won't fear because the Lord's going to keep me. Is that right? So Abram has this image problem. Of I'm a hundred years old, you're going to see what he said. Can, can we read it? Let's look what he said. Uh, uh, um, let me see. I want, I want to make sure I don't get ahead of myself. There's so much good stuff here. Yeah, let me ask. What picture are you cultivating? Because what you expect, what you are expecting affects what your faith can produce. This is important. What picture are you cultivating? Amen. Think, think about this. I, I, I knew a minister one time that was telling me the story of when he turned 40. Anybody in here about to turn 40? You're close to 40? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not trying to find out how old you are, but, but what I'm saying is he was sitting in my office and told me that when he turned 40, he said, I fell apart. He said, I literally was, was, found myself in tears. I didn't know what to say. It, it was kind of like, you know, have, have you ever had those awkward conversations where somebody just kind of opens up and starts telling you some deep things and sensitive things, and you're like, okay. <laughs> kind of like your parents sitting down telling you they got marital problems. I'm okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm your child. <laughs> But here, here's the point. I didn't know what to say. But he kept saying, I just, I just, I couldn't believe I was at middle age. I couldn't believe I was at middle age. Well, who says that's middle age? I mean, who, who wrote in the Bible that that was old? Now, I realize we're all in various stages of youth. <laughs> right? But I want you to understand, if you cultivate that image, at what image... At what image do you decide I fall apart at this age? I'll be strong at 40 and I'll be strong at 50 and I'll be strong at 60. But you know, when you get 70, I mean, what do you expect? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to get what you're expecting. Amen. Well, right? Well, now, Pastor, you know, you, can't, you just can't expect to be strong your whole life. I, too bad that's what, not what the Scripture says. It says, it says that the number of your days, I will fulfill them. Amen. Now, I'm just, I'm just trying to get your expectation up there. And so, Abram is here dealing with this issue. Notice, he says something here. 
in uh, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you'll not call her Sarai, but Sarah will be her name. And I'll bless her, give you a son of her. I will bless her and she'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people will be of her. And then Abraham, the father of our faith, fell on his face and laughed. That's not a picture you think of when you see Abraham. God said that and and the boy fell out. He fell on his face laughing. Is that what Scripture says? And and I've I've read commentaries where they tried to soften this. Well, it was not a laugh of unbelief. It was more a laugh. And then they just kind of trailed off. I know what it was a laugh of because look what he said. And laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? Does the Bible tell you what he was laughing about? God said, I'm going to visit you, and you're going to be the father of a multitude. Sarah's going to have a son. And, and, and he said right here that Sarah was 90 years old. Right? And God told him that, and Abraham laughed. Now why? No picture was cultivated. When you cultivate a picture of what God's talking to you about, when God speaks to you about it and you've cultivated the picture, it makes perfect sense to you and you, 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 you don't see any way it could fail. Because I just know. Because I've spent time cultivating the image. People of great faith are also people of great vision. They see things. Amen. Laughed here means to laugh outright in merriment or scorn. In other words, this wasn't a quiet laugh. He laughed right out loud at what God said. So see, don't feel bad if you've giggled about some things God said. (laughs) Amen. So at this point, he was not expecting to father a child. He had a picture of a hundred-year-old man with no hope of fathering a child. And not only did he see himself as unable to father a child, he saw Sarah as unable to bear a child. If you tell me how you see you, I can tell you where you're going. Amen. I've talked to people before and they say, well, what do you expect with my education? Or what do you expect with the parent I had? Well, you know, there are two twin boys, twin boys. And they both had an alcoholic father, of course, because their father was an alcoholic. One of them grew up and became a horrible alcoholic. And he said, well, what do you expect with the father I had? The other one grew up and became wildly successful. And he said, what do you expect with the father I had? How do you see it? One thought, I don't have any choice here. I got to be an alcoholic because that's what my father was. And the other one thought, if I want to avoid being that, I got to be something else. I, I, I got to see myself different. Amen. So if you cultivate that image, it becomes the signpost as to where you're going. Amen. 
When, when you say things like, all of my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. When you say things like, like uh, 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 even the captives of the mighty will be taken prey and the prey of the terrible will be put in prison. But I will contend with them that contend with you and I'll save your children. When you start putting those things in your spirit, then when you see your kids, you don't see them as disobedient, rebellious, unsaved heathens. You see them as kids that are born again in the kingdom of God, living for God. Amen. And that's not just keeping a good thought. That's cultivating an image. Uh, Genesis, let's look here. Hallelujah. In uh, the very next chapter over, chapter 18, because it takes two people to have a baby. So that means both of them got to be seeing the same image. You can't have Abe seeing an image Sarah don't see. Right? Verse 10. I said the next chapter. Same. Well, yeah, chapter 18, verse 10. And he said, the Lord said, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door that was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. Sarah laughed. Sarah didn't see the image either. So not only was Sarah barren from her birth all of her life. Now she's experienced menopause. And so now there's a double impossibility. I've never been able to have kids. And now I'm past the age of having kids if I could have kids. That sounds like a good reason to laugh. But notice, the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now look, he's cultivating an image. That's not that religious, oh brother, just hang in there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God's telling Abraham and Sarah, I'm telling you something that's impossible. And I'm asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe the picture I'm showing you. And I'm telling you that if you start seeing the picture I'm showing you, nothing is too hard for me. Nothing. Hallelujah. At the time appointed, I will return to you. And according to the time of life, Sarah will have a son. Amen. See, the longer you live with something, the less hope you have that it'll change. The, the, the longer you live with it, the less hope you'll have that it'll change. At some point, I've got to start cultivating an image that's different from the status quo. Amen. Do you see that? I remember one time I was uh, talking with a friend of mine. And this was many years ago, probably 15 years ago, 16 years ago. And uh, we, were, we were at a conference in uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the Biltmore Resort. And we were there, and uh, we were, it was in between uh, uh, sessions, and we were talking to one another, standing in a line, talking to one another. And, and understand something. Don't be so quick to tell people the picture God's showing you. Now, I know we've heard things like that, but, 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 but don't be so quick to tell them. And here's why. Because I, I was sharing with him some things that the Lord was showing me. 
And uh, he made a statement. He said, well, uh, who would listen to you? Who would pay any attention to you? Right? Well, I didn't, get, I didn't throw my picture away. I just realized I can't hang around him. Right? Hallelujah. You, you want to be around people that get just as excited about your picture as you do. Amen. That's so important. Because the longer you live with it, the less hope you have that it will change. Hallelujah. <laughs> have you ever been in a situation where somebody had something and instead of fixing it, I'll give you an illustration. There's a young man that went to the church one time and, uh, and he developed a slow leak in one of his tires. Well, he began by just, you know, he'd go every other day, every couple of days and put air in the tire. Now, I don't know why he didn't ask somebody to help him buy a tire. We'd have bought him a tire. Well, here's what he did. He finally, he started buying cans of that fix-a-flat. Well, you know, that ruins your tire. I don't know how many cans he put in it. And one day, finally, we got a call. Well, can't come to church. The tire blew up. Well, yeah. He just kept living with a slow leak. I mean, the least you could have went and bought a used tire. But here's the point. It just gets easier to put air in or fix a flat or whatever than go make the ex expenditure and buy something. You just keep living with it. Or it's like the, the, the woman, you know, one time they were having holiday meal and they were, they were, they were uh, uh, cutting a ham. Going to cook a ham. And the mom said, you know, they're, they're there. And uh, uh, the daughter cut the end off the ham. And she looked at her mom and said, Mom, why do we always cut the end off the ham? Mom said, I don't know. Let's call Grandma. Because that's how I was taught. So they called Grandma. And said, Grandma, why do we always cut the end off the ham? She said, well, I don't really know. And so this was a blessed family. And great-grandma was still alive. So they called great-grandma and said, great-grandma, why do we always cut the end off the ham? I mean, what does it do? Does it make the ham uh, more tasty or more juicy? And great-grandma said, no, she said, my pan was always just too short for the hams we bought, so we always cut the end off. So you got a whole, all these generations that are cutting the end off a ham because great-grandma's pan was too short. And they were just, they were just living with cutting the ham short. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever God's trying to show you will require that you quit living with some things. You, you've heard the story and read it in the Bible. Yeah, when do you want the frogs gone? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow? What about now? Why did we get rid of them now? Genesis 21 and uh, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, 
And the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now religion will leave you with the idea that God did this without any cooperation. No, he didn't. How do I know that? Because the New Testament says Abraham believed God. The New Testament says it was through faith that Sarah received strength to conceive seed. So this was not without cooperation. God doesn't make things happen without our cooperation. And part of my cooperating is receiving the image that he gives me. The Lord had to deal with my wife and I for years about the way we saw ourselves. It's important. I'll talk to pastors, and and, and I have pastors in our fellowship that that maybe they have a growing church. And when I say a growing church, you know, a lot of people call it a small church. Not a small church, a growing church. And I'm constantly talking to them about how they see themselves. Because I've talked to pastors, well, you know, I mean, what do you expect? I'm just a small church pastor. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't have things set up the way you do or other people do. I mean, what do you expect? You know, I got to do everything. And that's the picture they have of themselves. And that church will never grow past them. Your life will never grow past you. I told one young man one time, he said, everywhere I go, I, I get a new start and I fail and everything falls apart. And I said, here's why, because everywhere you go, you're there. <laughs> you you got to change. I mean, I wasn't trying to be ugly. I was being authoritative, but I wasn't being ugly. You got to change. If, if everywhere I show up, things fall apart, there's a common denominator. It's me. Amen. I was dealing with a lady one time. She went from marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage. And I thought, well, there's a common denominator, her. <laughs> Every marriage she gets in, it falls apart. Hey. Do, do you see this? The picture has to be built and faith has to be used. Hallelujah. Pastor Larry was telling some testimonies, financial testimonies, other things during this season that the world's went through. Why did things go that way for people of faith? Because there was a picture. Amen. Do do you see this? In Pastor Caldwell's book, How to Thrive in Perilous Times, all right, Uh, He wrote that book first in 83 and then redid it a number of years later. But here's the point. He told the story in the very introduction of that about the time that Oral Roberts talked about when back in the 20s when they they had planted their cotton crop and it was just coming up and one of the biggest hailstorms ever came through Oklahoma. And he said it not only destroyed crops, he said it destroyed houses. I mean, it beat the sideboards off of the houses. It was so bad. And he said, he said, we didn't know what we were going to do. 
And he said, my dad had been out looking at the fields and he was coming back in the house. And he said, my mother walked out on, on the, 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 the porch and said, Vaden, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get that $20 out of the secret compartment in your wallet. He thought it was secret. She knew where it was. So see, guys, you think you got she money. She don't know I got it. She knows. Amen. <laughs> she knows. Anyway, the, the, the point is, the point is, she said, take that money and go down to the seed store and buy seed. Well, he started to argue with her, but he said, I, I knew she was hearing from God. See, somebody's got a picture, God saying, you need to re-sow. So he took it, got the boys and went and took the wagon into the, into the, uh, the little town there and backed it up to the feed store. And they said, Brother Roberts, what can we do for you? He said, I, I want some seed. And he said, that his dad said he felt completely ridiculous trying to buy seed to replant with $20. But he said, the man saw something and he told his workers, he said, you take their wagon around back and fill it up. They're believing God. Amen. And he asked the question at the end. He said, we reseeded all of our fields. And he said, there was only one family that reaped a harvest that year. Do you know who they were? The Roberts family. Why? Because somebody saw a different picture. Everybody else saw destruction. Everybody else saw no hope. They saw a way out. The Bible says that God will always give you a way out. Amen. The picture has to be built. Glory be to God. Now, look, look, at, look at Romans 4. Thank you, Jesus. You know, somebody told me at the very beginning of my ministry, we had not even pastored. Pastor Michelle and I weren't even, weren't even traveling. I mean, we were, I was working at the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> Uh, uh, cutting meat, and, and she was cleaning houses. And uh, we, we were talking with some, some, some people, uh, uh, relatives of ours, that, that felt like they had a call of God on their life. And again, I caution you, uh, you know, God was showing us a picture, and we were seeing things that we were talking about. And, and we shared with them what the Lord had said to us. And, and they just let us know right away they didn't believe any of it. Matter of fact, that person told me, you've always been the bottom of the barrel in our family, and you always will be. Who you think you are? I'm glad I didn't grab that image. I had an image of what God had said. And I said, come on, let's go do what God told us to do. Amen. That, that will keep you solid. Romans 4 and verse 3. Notice this. Because it says something. For what says the scripture? See, that's what we always want to go back to. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. He believed what God had said. That's faith. Right? Abraham believed God. So, so we get the idea there that there were, there were other voices, there were other things that were trying to tell him this wasn't going to happen. But it, the Bible says he believed God. Amen. Remember when Job's wife came to him in the book of Job? And, and everything had fallen apart. His children had died. His houses, his lands had been destroyed. And Job's sitting out there on the ash heap of his life. 
and his wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Right? And Job said, wait a minute. You're talking like somebody that has no sense. He didn't understand everything, but he said, are we going to receive good at the hand of God? And then Job said, Job said this, he was wrong in what he said, but he said, and then when he gives us something bad, we, we, we abandon him. He said, no, 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 that's not how it's going to be. Amen. He had a different picture than she had. Job said, Job tapped into the dispensation of grace. Job tapped into a picture of a redeemer when he said, I know that my redeemer lives and I know that at the last day he will stand and be for me. Hallelujah. Ever what you're dealing with, ever what the enemy's trying to bring into your life, ever what the challenge is, keep the picture of what God said ever before you. Go back to it again and again and again. Why? That's what's going to come to pass. Oh, glory. In Hebrews 11. And uh, verse 11. You got to keep it in front of you. Hebrews 11, 11. It says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful who had promised. She believed God's promise to her. Hallelujah. What did God say? That's what you go back to all the time. When uh, Andrew Womack, some years ago, they called him uh, way, way up in the night. And it was his oldest son. And he said, Dad, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but my brother, his, his youngest boy, is dead. He, he had died of a drug overdose. Now, he said that publicly. I'm not telling anything that people don't know. And he said, uh, I asked where they were, and they were at such and such hospital, Colorado Springs. And he said, uh, you know, I, I got off the phone, and he said, it was just your mind's going a million miles an hour. He said, we got in the car, and the only thing I knew to do was just, I was just praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he said, for a moment, for a moment, I wanted to get over there and say, God, why did this happen? And, and they were believing for him to be saved. Why did this happen? Hmm. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I remember two things the Lord told me. And he said, the Lord brought me back to two things. Two people came and told me something by the Spirit of the Lord. Neither one of them knew each other, and they were both in separate cities. And he said, a woman came to him and said, the Lord's showing me something about your youngest son. And he's going to save him and preserve him. He's hundreds of miles away in another city. And a guy came to him and said, The Lord's showing me something about your youngest son. The Lord's going to save him and preserve him. And he said, I thought to myself, Now wait a minute. They're saying he's dead. But the Lord said, I'll save him and preserve him. And he said, I just started getting joyful. Because the picture had changed. Amen. 
Sometimes we think people of great faith don't have to do what we have to do. That same picture tried to come to him. And sure enough, his son was in the morgue, in the cooler, and had a tag on his toe. He's dead. Had been dead five hours. And when they were almost at the hospital, his son called him and said, Dad, it's the most amazing thing in the world. All of a sudden, he just sat up and started talking. Had been dead five hours. The picture never changed. That's scriptural. Over and over again, you see in, in the Bible where someone was dead and they were raised from the dead, they just sat up and started talking. They got a lot to say. Amen. But what if he would have just grabbed that image? Oh, my goodness. I told that boy. I told him his lifestyle was going to kill him. Honey, I told him. I told him. We wouldn't be shouting about his testimony. Amen. Are you with me? At this point, both Abraham and Sarah are convinced that something's true. They're convinced that what God said was true. And now what? Now they can start seeing themselves differently. That's where I had to get you. You got to be convinced that what God said was true. Amen. Hallelujah. When the Lord talked to us at the beginning of this year and, and, and we stood up and released faith, no one's going to lose their job. No one's going to lose their homes. We're going to get raises and bonuses. Blessings. Amen. And, I, and I've had several services where I've asked, you know, who's got raises and who's got bonuses and who's been blessed and hands, right? hands going up all over the place. Why? Because that's what God said. And you held on to that image. Amen. And I'll have people ask, have, have you ever been cultivating an image and it seemed like it didn't go the way you, you wanted it to go? Yes. Yes, I have. But that wasn't a failure. God didn't fail. There, there are instances I, I, I didn't even necessarily miss it. There are things that I don't understand. There are things that you are not going to understand. The scripture says the hidden things belong to God. There are things I don't understand. There are things I don't know. But here's what I do know. God is faithful. God is faithful. And if I'll keep putting my trust in God, God will do what He said He would do. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me try, try to wrap this up. Romans 4. I need to go just a little longer. Uh, just for the sake of keeping you in, in the proper mindset. Mo 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 most of the buffets aren't open now. I, I used to keep you just, just right up till time so you, that you didn't encroach on the Baptist. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a pecking order, you know, at the buffet. And uh, uh, the Methodist Presbyterian get there first. <laughs> then the Baptist. And then the Pentecostals show up. Amen. And uh, you don't want to throw off the circle of life there at the buffet. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Put a Pentecostal in there where the Baptists are and you have a problem. <laughs> Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, 
I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, or like unto him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Notice, against hope believed in hope. Hope is an expectation. What was his expectation before God started changing his image? 100 years old, can't have a child. He had to hope against that. Amen. The hope or the picture he believed in was the picture he received from the promise made by God. Against hope. There will always be a picture you got to come against. And the picture that God gives you, you have to allow it to supersede the picture that the circumstance is giving you. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Let what God has said create your picture. Let that create your reality. All right? Romans 15 and 13. This is where we'll end. The Holy Spirit through Paul says something about the Lord here, about God. And it says in verse 13, Now the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. One translation, the modern language translation says, So may God, the fountain of hope. So notice that He's the God of hope and He wants you to abound in hope. To be abundant in hope. If we'll allow God, He'll give us the proper picture that we're to be seeing. Now, I'll say this again. This isn't just going to happen. I've got to see myself the way God sees me. Amen. Takes time. And, 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 and that's why God told Joshua, He said, don't fear, don't be dismayed. He said, I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. Right? I'm for you. So that changed Joshua's picture of just somebody trying to get something done to somebody doing something with God on their side. But what did the Lord tell him? He said, you got to meditate on this picture consistently. What picture? No man being able to stand before you all the days of your life. Amen. So cultivate that picture. Nothing being able to stand before you. When we say no weapon formed against me will prosper, that can become just a scripture we add to our confessions. Or we can say, look, literally, really, absolutely, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Just won't. And then you go into the forming of that weapon with that picture in your mind. And even when you see the weapon being formed, you know it's not going to prosper. Well, they said we're going to be laid off. Yeah, but that isn't going to prosper against me. They said this, but that isn't going to prosper against me. Amen. God is the God of hope. 
And when we add our faith to that picture, notice we're filled with all joy and peace in believing. Hallelujah. And let me end here. God will bring your picture to pass. It's just a matter of time before you're walking in the picture God's showing you. Just a matter of time. Amen. How do I know? Number one, because of the Word of God. Number two, because of experience. Hallelujah. Do you see that? How do I know I'll be in those buildings that God said we would have? Because I've already seen it. I've already cultivated the picture. I've walked through my office. I've seen the bathrooms. I know. I know. I've seen the chandelier in the middle of the room. I know. I've seen it. Hallelujah. And when you see it, you're going to walk in it. And, and, and here's the last thing I'll, I'll say. Try to make it the last thing. Is this. Is, 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 is it. Quit trying to figure out how. If God says something to you, you got to quit trying to figure out all the pieces that have to come together to make that happen. The Bible says that God who called light out of darkness. Right? God who created everything we see from things that don't exist. He's the one working. So if I'm spending my time trying to figure out all the pieces, then I'm going to see myself as somebody that doesn't have all the answers. And God never asked you to have all the answers. In, in, in the, the book of uh, 2 Chronicles 20 that we read today, he told Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel, he said, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. You're going to have to go face them. But you're not going to have to fight. You've got to determine your part. My part is to believe God. God's part is to believe, come to pa- bring to pass what I believe. And so he said, here's what you do. You set the praisers up, and, and here's what to tell them to praise. They're going to praise God in the beauty of holiness, and they're going to say these things about God. And he said, you're going to go meet them, but you're not going to have to fight. Your job is believe what God said. God's job is to bring to pass what you believe about what He said. That's your part. Don't get out of your part. Don't get out of your part. Because He's going to surely bring it to pass. Surely He'll bring it to pass. I believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus.